0: Hello, and welcome back to the Buckeye 50 podcast. I'm Josh Watson, and along with me here is Greg, and we are excited to talk again about Buckeye football. We are less than 30 days away from kickoff. It's, it's exciting. We're, we're just ready to get this thing rolling. I'm ready to see the Big Ten playing on Saturdays again. Instead of watching Clemson run up the score 39 to nothing against the Citadel in the first quarter, so we we are excited though that as of Saturday the Big Ten did a release of their schedule uh, week by week, which was done on Big Noon Kickoff for Fox, and then ESPN, the College Game Day crew, they also mimicked the schedule announcements there for it, and. I mean, we could talk probably about all the teams but really I I really want to focus on the Ohio State schedule and how that plays out. Um, As we talked about before, the schedule sets up to an eight game regular season and then a plus one. So on the weekend of Big Ten Championship game, which is still set the schedule in Indianapolis as of right now, all the teams are playing their positional rank game. So one and the East is going to play one in the West, and so on and so forth. So we're excited to talk about that. Um, also coming back, so we have some big news of people coming back, players coming back, as well as the Pac-12, which was just announced today. Excited to talk about that. And last, we're going to go over our playoff talk here. Um, and now that we have more players into the field, you know what this playoff is is going to shape like and the type of job or how difficult the job is going to be for this playoff committee.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, you basically expressed the emotions that every Buckeye fan and really the, Buckeye, the fans of all of the, the teams in the Big Ten are feeling right now. I know personally those first two weeks, I didn't even want to watch college football on the weekend, but I actually found myself watching some this past weekend and I actually watched uh, a good portion of game day and, of course, the the big news show on Fox, and it it just felt a little more normalcy had returned. Now, 28 days seems an awful long time away to get this going, but I have a feeling it's going to go by pretty quickly, and before you know it, we're going to get to see Big Ten football on the field once again.
0: Yep, and if you haven't already seen it, um, we do have on our Facebook page, as well as Twitter, our shared schedule. So we designed the 2020 Ohio State schedule, uh, which you can download or view or save or however you want to do it. Um, I know there's several different versions out there, but we kind of like ours a lot. And we uh, do see that we're getting a lot of love for that schedule, too. So thank you so much for that. Um, I'd I say we just kind of go to get to it. Uh, number one, and... and <laughs> I don't know if this was Kevin Warren's idea of a joke or kind of retaliation against the program after there being like the, one of the prominent voices of being outspoken about trying to get back and then also the eight players following the lawsuit. But Ohio State opens up its season at home against Nebraska. And that's just a, a, an interesting way to start things off this season, I think. Yeah, I
1: think that uh, first of all, I'm sure that all of the intelligent Buckeye fans recognize the Huskers as our ally in that process. So, I mean, there were times when Frost was a little outspoken, and of course, as you mentioned, some of the players were filing lawsuits. But in the end, they were the ones that were probably pushing just as hard as Ohio State was with the presidents and the council of chancellors to say, hey, let's see what we can do about playing some football this year. I mean, we've got kids that have been playing all their lives building up to you know this season and I'm just so glad that all the different pieces that it took worked together to get this football season going again. As far as whether it was uh, kind of a payback to Nebraska I don't know but I think it's a good matchup. I mean there was, a, there was a handful of good matchups that first week so I think they may be looking at that as, as something they wanted to do and needed to do to kind of get some attention on the, the Big Ten that week because you know when we start there's, you know, the other conferences are going to be three, four, maybe five games into their schedule by then. And when you look at the SEC schedule, who opens up this weekend? There's not a lot of really key games to, to look at and get you get excited about just yet. So no, but there are some coming up. I mean, there, you know, what we like about, you know, the, the strength of the SEC is that there are some good teams in it, and some of those teams are getting to play each other this year that don't always play like Georgia and Alabama. But there are gonna be some good matchups and when you're playing SEC teams every week and you're not playing, you know, you know, Western Worthless and, and Citadel and that type of stuff, that kind of schedule, you know, you're gonna they're gonna have some good quality football that that's gonna be expressed in the South. So and uh, I know that a lot of the media and a lot of the talk shows make a lot about you know, the Big Ten will only have eight games if, they, if they're able to complete the schedule. And some of the other conferences will have, you know, nine or ten. And will that affect the playoff committee's uh, decisioning process? And we can't answer that, or we may talk about that as we get to that topic later on here. But um, right now, I think that the fact that you're going to be able to play, you know, everybody on your schedule, on your in your conference, in your division, I think that's going to be enough of a body of work that that's not going to be a factor. So uh, Nebraska, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, I wish that we could go to the Shoe and watch the game, but I'm more than happy to, to watch it, you know, um, you know, on TV and, and, and cheer on the Buckeyes that way.
0: It's going to be fun, I think, regardless. And, and like you said, it's. I wish we were kind of there in the stands cheering them on, but you know, maybe that decision will change. As of right now, we're still, we're still uh, having to stay at home, and and I know sports uh, across the state for sure are allowing fans, or at least up to a capacity of fans. Um, at least the parents right now get the cheer on their team, uh, and the horseshoe here starting opening week. I think one of the big things that I took away from it was just the spacing, and and I thought, um, in terms of level of difficulty for a high state. I mean, this is probably the most ideal kind of schedule you can get. Um, And then you have your week two matchup against Penn State at Penn State um, on Halloween, but there's not going to be any fans. I mean, you're talking about one of the most intimidating experiences in college football as an opposing team, and you're eliminating that factor. Um, I was listening to the athletics uh, uh, A&B with Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, and they were just saying... You know, with the crowd there, Ohio State might be a seven-point favorite. Uh, but without the crowd, I mean, that's, that's 10, 11 points at least um, that they're going to be favored by. And, and, and that's their most probably challenging opponent, And I think. And then they added the Michigan game at the very end of the season to kind of keep with that tradition. Now, the, the issue might be if, you know, there's a game cancellation here because of how tight this is. Um, you know, you want to try to make sure you play your significant games early or at least to a level to where you're getting them in. But hopefully with the new protocols and everything that they have set in place there for it, there, we won't see any interruptions and we do get that full complete schedule of the eight games plus the, the game in, in Indianapolis and hopefully the highest eight is there playing against the champion of the West um, to take the Big Ten title. For the fourth straight Yeah, year.
1: and I, yeah, sorry, Josh, and yeah, I think that um, the way they have the schedule laid out for Ohio State, first of all, uh, they got that solid marquee two, uh of the the Rock Foundation schools, Ohio State, Nebraska, starting out that first week, and then as you mentioned, Penn State, you know, which is probably, you know, Ohio State and Penn State are probably one-two as far as the conference goes, so. You'll have those two games. If Ohio State can come away with two victories there, then they've got the "let's work through things and let's keep players safe" part of their schedule because they'll be playing Rutgers at Maryland, Indiana, and at Illinois. And I, I just think there's no reason for Buckeye fans to have any indication that those games will be any problem for the for Ohio State. And then when they get into December. The game at Michigan State, I think that could be uh, a bit of a trap game. You know, you know they're going to be thinking about the Michigan game, but hopefully they can stay focused. I mean, we, we've started to lose a little bit of that uh, that storyline where you know Ohio State, where you know, was going to be coming into this season really, really hungry because of the way the last season ended, and and a good portion of our uh, lineup. Was coming back. You know, we obviously, high State, even your school like Ohio State, you lose quality players, you know, every single year. But Ohio State has plenty of quality players this year, just like they usually have. And this was going to be a very big, very good year for them. And in that, some of that focus about how we were, the Buckeyes were going to be, you know, so geared up and so focused and so keyed and so ready for this season. You know, a little bit of that storyline kind of separated itself, but I don't know that it has in the locker room. You know, I think I, the Michigan State, I only think of it as a trap game because, you know, if Ohio State's 6-0, regardless of what Michigan is, they're going to be thinking about that Michigan game at that point. And I just think that, you know, we don't want to overlook Sparty in that situation. But I don't think Michigan is ready yet, and from what I've heard, it sounds like they've been losing enough players that it's really going to be an interesting lineup, you know, for Harbaugh this year. So we'll see uh, how that works out. But you know, and we've already heard some players coming back, as as Josh mentioned. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here, as far as it relates to Ohio State. But yeah, it's it's this is schedule is lined up. I think you know there's been a little, you know, hoopla about whether it's high State's had an easy schedule, but I do think it lines up for them well. And I think that, you know, basically, if they stumble somewhere along the it's basically going to be their own fault. I mean, they're, they're, they have their eye on a national championship, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in this schedule that should stand in their way of that. So there's, they have it in front of them. They'll just, you know, the coaches, I know they'll do their job to be prepared. Hopefully the kids will be able to stay safe and healthy and focus on, you know, each game one week at a time. Because, quite frankly, we don't know if next week's going to be there. Uh, we'll see how this all shakes out, but uh, you know, if you if you're following the Houston Cougars at all, you know how disappointing this season's been for them because they've had five games already scheduled on that have been canceled. So it's it's really really been tough for them. So I so I, I kind of leading into that uh, next topic about how this might impact rankings. You know, there's there's going to be obviously a lopsidedness to how many games people have played all season long so hopefully when it comes to the the AP and the coaches poll it's not going to matter as much because they just they still play that if the, if you lose we'll drop you a little bit and if you win you might move up a little bit but the playoff committee it's going to be interesting to see how they go that first first week and where where some of the big 10 schools only have a couple of games in where other schools have five or six games in and we'll see how they that shapes up
0: yeah I, I agree and and I know we talked about this too about on last week's podcast, but you're really going to see a lot of the criteria of the playoff committee is going to be the eye test. And I I don't want to jump the gun a little bit about that, but I think it's going to be important to see how this team looks because of the amount of games that, as you said, these teams are going to be have played. Like like the SEC, they'll have at least four or five games under their belt by the time the Big Ten starts. ACC probably a, a game or two more just because they have a few more bye weeks built in but I mean with Ohio State playing Nebraska and Penn State that's probably as strong as an opening two games as you're gonna get and then you have your next game against the um, Rutgers so that's not really going to you know turn any eyes but at the same time like you you have two solid games to what you can put to your resume so that by the time the first rankings come out, Um, As as of it stands right now, now the playoff committee has not said anything about delaying or changing or anything like that. But I mean, Penn State was regarded as one of the top ten teams in the country. I I think as high as number seven in in the polls. And if Ohio State can get a solid win against Nebraska, a solid one against Penn State at Penn State, regardless of the circumstances, and then look good against Rutgers to where they can develop some of their younger talent with C.J. Stroud uh, and the other backup there. I mean, you're really going to look at um, what the, the, the longevity of this season is really going to be is getting that talent, um, experience, and playing time just in case we do get into a situation where we need them. But also at the same time, no players lose eligibility this year. So this is kind of like a free year to kind of get those things tested out, and you want to limit exposure to your key players as much as possible. And, and I think that stretch of Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois does that. Um, I do want to piggyback just for a second longer on your Michigan State comment. I think you know that is a good game to really kind of keep your eye out on just because it's before Michigan, but also because it's on December 5th. And in my experience, or at least experiences I've had at Michigan State, you know, it's it's going to be really cold. I mean, it's probably going to be snow on the ground type of game in, in that environment. Um, and it's not going to do any favors. So, you know, Ohio State... if if their goal in mind is to win a national championship, they've got to prepare for all the elements. Um, And I think one of the big things that's going to be interesting to see is, I know Michigan State's been on the decline, but they've always been able to pound their chest about their defense. And now with D'Antonio being gone, how good is that defense really going to be? Um, Because I I have a feeling that's going to take a step back um, from that mindset or that, that idea that they have that Spartan defense mentality. Yeah, and with D'Antonio being gone, is Mel Tucker going to bring that same level of intensity with the defense um, that the Spartans are used to having? And I I don't really think that's going to be the case. And this being his first year, I mean, looking at, you know, this Michigan State schedule for just a second, I know I said we'll focus on high State's, but, I mean, they've got, Um, some pretty big games on their schedule too because they have Ohio State and then right after that is Penn State. So those are two tough opponents to really kind of keep focused on um, in that little stretch there that they have. So it's not like it's going to be super hard for Ohio State, but they've just got to keep focused if their goal is for a national championship.
1: Yeah, and just keep in mind though, and I know previous seasons don't have any impact on this season, but I haven't liked the way Ohio State has performed against Michigan State in December that first weekend. So hopefully we'll turn that around a little bit this year as we are on a path toward that playoff
0: season. Yep. No, I agree. Um, Yeah, but in Urban Meyer, I think, let it slip a little bit during big noon kickoff. But when he saw Ohio State's schedule, he made the comment, that's easy. And it really is. I mean, really, if you're an Ohio State fan, you've got to look at the schedule and just feel very optimistic about our chances of being one of the top four teams in the playoff this year.
1: Yes, I think that it's, like I said, it's all laid out in front of us. If we cannot navigate this schedule, then we're not the team that we think we are and that we want to be and, and nationally competing against you know the elite teams in the country.
0: Yep, and I think to compete, you've got to have the best players on the field, and I think Ohio State was able to do that with now the announcements of Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis coming back after within seventy-two hours of each other announcing they were going to opt out within seventy-two hours of the announcement that the high state was coming back to play with the Big Ten. Um, they're they're back in, and Sean Wade just came back to campus uh, just two days ago, so. Both both players are on. I think they're just working through some of the regulation stuff that comes into their amateurism and making sure they're eligible to play, but I mean really I don't feel like there's going to be any things slowing them down. And it's exciting to see them back. Um, and, and in my opinion and you can you can chime in too at your thoughts is that you know, without them, we are a really good team. Um, but we'd lack some experience at some of the key positions and, and losing four essentially starters from last year's defensive back group was really going to be a pain point um, and really seeing how well Kerry Coombs can um, can get those t- teams ready. Now offensive line I would have been the less worried about um, only because I feel like they've really recruited some good depth there and might have had to move a few people around there to make up that offensive line. But having Wyatt Davis there back, uh, a captain for the team, um, and his experience is really going to be the difference maker. And I think you're, you're probably going to see as, as good as last year's Ohio State offensive line was and how they grouped, you know, you have players with a lot more experience on their belt. Um, and, and I think they're really going to gel and really going to be probably one of the top offensive lines of the country, if not the top offensive line in the country. So them coming back to me, I think, gives them that little bit extra to really be a a national championship favorite when you're really comparing them against Clemson and even Alabama at this point, when you're comparing against those teams.
1: Yeah, I definitely think the bigger of the two names is certainly weighed because of what you said. The talent that was lost to uh, basically the NFL and to people graduating last year in the defensive back area, it's certainly going to be great to have sean wade back plus i know he would like at least one more shot at hitting trevor lawrence so we'll see uh, if we get the opportunity to to see that on the field uh, this december early january however that works out in that schedule but we definitely definitely welcome back those two players Yep. Yeah. and and uh and it's not just Ohio State either. Uh, Rondell Moore is now coming back for Purdue. And that's definitely – that's not just one of the best players in their team, but that's one of the best players in the country.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that's going to be a really a good lift, you know, good news for the Boilermakers. And we'll just, you know, help, you know, their prospects this season as to what they might be able to do on the field. And we'll see if, like I say, if other players – you know, that have opted out. You know, as long as they haven't signed with agents, as long as they play all the, follow all the protocol, they should be fine.
0: Yep. No, I agree. I think Rondell Moore coming back is is good for college football and definitely good for the Purdue program. Uh, Now, I don't know what all the other talent they have around him is going to look like or be, but I feel like, and, and this is brought up before, but To me, the West of the Big Ten is really kind of wide open. Um, I mean, you really can't exclude everyone, but at the same time, you know, there's some names that are going to be easy to see that rise to the top with Wisconsin and Minnesota probably being the top two teams. Iowa usually has a a solid year where they're making noise, um, so you know you can't leave them out. But Purdue, I mean, when you look at their schedule here, and uh, um, you know, they start off with Iowa and then they have Illinois and Wisconsin, Nebraska, i sorry, Northwestern, and then Minnesota. So they're getting all of their games pretty much for the west out in the first 5 weeks. And if they can manage to go 4 and 1 or 5 and 0 with that stretch, they finish with Rutgers, Nebraska, and Indiana. So I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated or anything like that because I think it's there becomes a talent level and I think the west is too balanced in terms of um, of how they are, but at the same time, like they have a really good chance. With I feel like Wisconsin having somewhat of a down year, um, and Minnesota, um, I don't think they're going to be as solid as they were last year under PJ Flex' third year with the program. But I think, I think they have a good chance to kind of make some noise with with Rondale Moore coming back, or at least play spoiler to some teams.
1: Yeah, and I think that I agree with your comment that they're a fairly balanced division and it's going to be interesting to see who rises to the top but uh, team for team uh, i think the east is stronger again this year even when michigan state's probably going to be down a little bit but penn state's obviously solid ohio state's solid michigan should be able to play if they can figure out their quarterback situation and indiana you know you know has some signs of life But they're showing, you know, some progress last season. Maybe that'll continue over to this season. And uh, this might be a fun year to watch the one-plays-ones and the two-plays-two at the end of the season just to see, you know, get a little bit of flavor as to what was the best division, East versus West.
0: Yeah, it it does kind of create that kind of uh, rivalry in a way. It's like it's going to be, you know, you could have like four or three kind of Series where you know where the four wins it, but at the same time, like you know, how is that top teams from the east going to look against the top teams of the west? But how is the bottom teams really is going to be the big, I think, deciding factor when you're comparing it? Because I mean, Rutgers is probably one of the weakest teams in college football, and unfortunately, we have them in our division, so they're not helping our strength the schedule in any way, shape, or form. Um, but if they're matched up against a say Northwestern or Illinois. I mean you're you're really looking at I think that's a that's a West victory right there and and if you can get a full slate of college football of just Big Ten on the December A uh, sorry, December nineteenth, when I know you have other conference championship games going on that same day. I think that's really gonna put a a camera or a face in the or that's really gonna put an eye on the Big Ten that day because they're essentially going to be dominating that day. Unless the Pac-12 decides to do something similar with their schedule, which I have not seen yet. I mean, they're still they usually play their conference championship game the day before the other teams play on that on that Friday before. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all is going to shape out.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, with the Pac-12, uh, they are back as well. So the the excitement that the Big Ten fans had last week. Uh, this evening, there was the same excitement for the Pac-12 uh, fans and schools announcing their seven-game schedule. And as you said, they're, they're going to have a championship game at the end of the year. We don't know if it's, they're going to do the ones versus ones down through, you know, down through the six versus six type thing. But I think if they, you know, under, that's not even a decision they have to make right now. I mean, they could make it a month from now. And still be fine on that. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think college football is better the more teams that are playing. So the Pac-12 coming back is good. And I I don't know, other than maybe Oregon, if there was going to be a team that would have necessarily challenged for a a playoff spot this year anyway. So uh, I think it's just going to be good to see them out on the field. And so the, the more teams that play, I think the more teams that will be able to uh, give the playoff committee something to think about and, and uh, data points and talking points in terms of ranking the schools.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as a, as a college football fan, and I know I've been a little bit bitter just when the Big Ten decided to cancel towards the sport itself, but the, the sport is best when everyone is participating. So to have the Pac-12 back, to add that into the mix, I mean, any any group of five team with this current four team playoff, uh, pretty much just lost most chances of of getting in. Now, the only kind of exception, or maybe data point that you're really looking at, is if you have a UCF or a, a Cincinnati team go, you know, 11 and 0 or 12 and 0, depending on how their schedule shakes out, compared to just a a 7-0 Pac-12 team. You know, how is that, that body of work going to look comparatively? Um, because essentially the Pac-12 is just doing their full slate of conference games plus the one crossover game. So it's... It's, it's definitely interesting.
1: Um, yeah, I think that uh, this is the year, and I've heard people say it, and I think you mentioned it on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. This might be the year that maybe the playoff committee, not to make it a permanent thing necessarily, but just because everything is different this year, maybe this is the year that we expand. Mm-hmm. And, that, and and the reason we would do it, other than just, uh, you know, there's more money, there's more schools involved. You know, it's, it's kind of like the wild card in baseball. You know, you're just, you got more interest, you know, at the end of the season, you know, type thing. But uh, this might be the year, and I'm not even thinking an eight-team playoff. I'm really thinking a 12-team playoff and give the first four teams, one through four, the teams that ultimately may have been the the teams going to the playoffs otherwise, give them kind of a bye that first week. And -hmm. then you can have the other eight teams, you know, play each other to basically make your round of eight and then go to four and then the championship game. So now they may not want to do that simply because of the COVID risks, but as far as allowing other teams, and when that includes the, the group of five, you know, this could be the year that, you know, they could get a, a seat at the table, so to speak, if they could expand. I don't know what expanding to eight would do for them. It, it certainly obviously gives them a better chance, but unfortunately, you might see somebody come out with some formula that says, you know, especially now with the Pac-12 is back in it, where they would just say, well, let's take the five champions from the major conferences and then have three at-large teams. And you know you're going to have a you know a one-loss SEC team that might be considered and, and perhaps a one-loss Big Ten team that might be considered. If, if Oklahoma and Texas play each other and their only loss is against each other, you know that game... Then you know you might have them be considered over, you know, some as you said, like a 12 and 0 Memphis team or a 12 and 0, you know, Cincinnati team or UCF team type thing. But it's you know this I think would be the year that from the from a money perspective, from a opportunity to get visibility to other conferences, this might be the year.
0: Yeah, I mean. I was thinking eight, and the fact that you mentioned 12, I thought maybe maybe that could work out. I know that's adding more gains to the schedule. Um, but, I mean, it's it's 2020, so it's kind of like whatever works at this point. Um, but I, I, I think an eight-team playoff, two, two ways I see it realistically working. One is the way you just mentioned, where you have your five Power Five Conference Champions and three at-large teams. Whether it be a group of five team in the mix with two other power five schools, or and then this is just where it's at right now because we've not heard official word from the Mountain West yet, but the MAC is out this season. Like they're not revisiting the decision to go back. It sounds like um, to play football until till spring. So, what if I mean it's a scenario where you have just the conference champ of each of each conference make the playoff this year. I mean, that's that's eight slots, eight conferences that are playing, um, and just kind of filling that void. Now, I know it's, you know, when you're comparatively looking at these teams, it might not be the same, but I, I really think, you know, to get that exposure, to kind of make the season a little bit more worthwhile, that could be another avenue to pursue.
1: Yeah, and, and that, again, I think that the playoff committee, they may be spending more time dialoguing on, how do we make the playoffs look this year than they do talking about, well, is Alabama really the number two team or is it Oklahoma, you know, kind of thing? And it's, and quite frankly, uh, uh, let all the, comp- and I'm not, and believe me, I'm one that doesn't like the rule of automatic qualifiers. I do not like the idea that, that a, you know, a 10 and 2 USC team gets in just because they, they won the Pac 12 you know over you know you know a conference you know you think of a couple years ago and uh, you know Michigan State and Iowa were unbeaten you know they're they're battling it out and Michigan State goes over the goal line on a fourth down play and that's the only loss Iowa has and you know they're not getting in the playoffs because you're going to have you know some you know automatic bid team that would get in over them you know so it's it's you know it's you know that I've never been a big fan of the automatic bid but this year all of my normal preferences are kind of thrown out the window just because of, you know, the things, the concessions that need to be made, you know, just to get, you know, football, you know, on the field again.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think, I think this could be the year that maybe you do something like what you're talking about. And, you're in, and there's enough incentive for the Power Five schools because what you laid out, more than likely, the two lesser conferences are going to have to play each other the first week where the top three are going to get to play a, an AAC champ, maybe a Mountain West champ, you know, like that. And that's clearly an advantage. Just ask LSU if they wanted to play Clemson, Ohio State, or, you know, maybe an Oklahoma that first week last year.
0: Yeah, they would have picked Oklahoma, and they got it. They got that that bit. I think that's really the difference for Ohio State last year, and I thought we were the better team still against Clemson. Just a few things didn't go our way, but... Well, I would much rather have gotten that number one seed last year just for that point because I we would have probably done the same thing LSU did against Oklahoma, but yeah,
1: no question, no question, and I think that uh, football fans by the time that December rolls around, they're going to be wanting wanting to see this, you know, and wanting to see more teams and compete for the playoff spot, and then the other side of that coin is I don't know what they're going to do with the bowl games this year because I just mm-hmm. can't imagine they're all these bowl games surviving unless they literally want to field a team with, you know, or field a game, I'm sorry, with teams with losing records.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're going to have that this year all over the place because, again, you're only playing in your conference. So you're these, you know, like an SEC schedule, where they're normally playing four non-conference games, and they're playing most of those schools—not all of them, but most of those schools—play teams that are considered inferior, and that basically gives them that three and one, four and zero start to their schedule. So they only have to win one or two games in their conference to be bowl eligible. Now you're going to have a school that's—you know—might normally be six and six or five and seven, might be one and nine this year. And they're not going to be playing in a bowl game, or, or, or even if they are, is that the type of bowl game that's going to sell television you know, to, out through the media?
0: Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that. I, I think you're going to see an impact on these bowl games because, again, and this was brought up before, the NCAA does not control Division 1A or this FBS level of college sports uh, in terms of their championship, the playoff and bowls are separate from the NCAA, and really, and ESPN has the television and media rights to this, as as much of a monopoly as it is. But that's what their their investment is in is in college football. So really, if they want to make the most of this season, I think expansion has to be on the table, or at least at some discussion point. To because you want to have as many important games as possible. Um, for this season, and you have to you have to cut some bowl games there for it. Um, but you're right. I mean, you're going to have teams that are one and nine or winless or below 500. Um, you know, like a, a three and five Big Ten team. I mean, they're not they aren't worthy of a bowl game. I mean, there's the you, the bowls have become so clouded with participation. I think that it's it loses its significance in my opinion. But but I, I agree that the Bulls are really going to take a hit, and I really think they need to revisit how they're going to approach this postseason uh, for this this college football year.
1: Yeah, and, I, and, and I'd like to think that there are more people than just the two of us talking about this. So there, it's got to be revisited at least, even if nothing happens. But especially for the camp of people that want the playoff expansion, you know they're going to be pushing for it. You know, they're going to use this as like their acid test to prove all the reasons why they think we should already be expanding. This is their chance to try to make that happen in a kind of a trial period or something, if you want to look at it like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I know the television contracts are going to be coming up here. As, as quick as it was or as short as a while as it felt like you know, the playoffs have started, you now we're entering year six of the playoffs of a 10-year contract. So, I mean, it's... If, if there's an opportunity to try something, this is probably it. And so that way when they get to those new media deals or television contracts, maybe that six or eight team playoff expansion is more considered to be on the table. So.
1: Yeah, I guess one way to look at it would be if not this year, when are you going to get a chance to do it? Exactly. You know, So if they don't do it this year, then you can just wait out this contract before we can talk expansion again.
0: Yep. Well, and then plus with like we talked about it, but like every team essentially playing a different amount of games. There's no collective, or are there's no you know collective amount of games that are required. I mean, there's no requirement on the playoff committee's protocol about minimum games played. It's all about conference championship eye test, um, and you know that kind of subjectiveness about who are the best for teams. So those are those are things that are going to be kind of tilted on its side and on its head this year uh, because of the way the schedules are mapped out
1: yeah there's clearly no way to compare apples to apples this year between schools across conferences I mean there's just they're not playing equal schedules they're not playing crossover games I mean you know a lot of times think of all the times when you know teams might have got into the playoffs or missed getting in the playoffs because they had a non-conference game against an elite opponent and either won or lost that game. And it it kept them, you know, got them in the playoffs or kept them out of the playoffs or at least kept them in the conversation. Right. So, you know, we're not going to have any of that this year. You know, this is is where the ACC, I think, kind of chickened out because they agreed to have a non-conference game in their mix and they're, they're scheduling inferior teams. The Big 12 did the same thing. They have their one non-conference game, and they went 0-3 against the Sun Belt. So that, they didn't help themselves at all with that.
0: Right. And I think that just kind of shows a little bit, too. Just I mean, there are teams and programs on the rise within this group of five schools um, that can compete with the big boys, uh, not just because of it's a one-off opportunity so as much as we'd like to say there's a you know there's a big difference between the group of five and the power five there really isn't too much of one outside of maybe 10 or 12 teams um, just based on talent level recruiting level and you know just head coaching um, i really think that's that's it because um, i mean you have your alabama's Ohio State's, Clemson's, Oklahoma's, I mean, they're they're a step above the rest, and they have been for some time. Um, I don't want to extend this too long, so I know this has been a really great conversation. Um, I know the SEC is back this week, so I wanted to just have some kind of fun a little bit with this and kind of get your, your prediction on it. Um, if it were to stay with four, though, if we just had four teams to make the playoff this year, and now that the Pac-12 is back, Who would you pick as your four teams uh, for the playoff?
1: Well, of course, you know, one of the criteria is going to be eye test, and we haven't seen so many of the schools already. But just it's almost like a preseason pick with that. But I I have not seen anything that leads me to believe that Clemson's not the best team in the ACC and, and perhaps the best team in the country. So I have to have Clemson in my playoff pick. And then as far as the uh, SEC goes, uh, Georgia would have been, I thought, one of the more solid schools until they lost their quarterbacks. And now that they don't even know if and when JT Daniels was going to be able to play. So without that, I, I don't know that Georgia is necessarily my, you know, pick for the the SEC, which it would have been. So, it really probably, unfortunately, comes down. I'm unfortunately like it's a bad thing, but it's unfortunate for the SEC that it probably comes down to Alabama again. I, I I don't believe any of the hype of the media and the and the talksters that talk about how great LSU and Coach Ogeron is, you know. And they're they're reloading. I think I think LSU is going to take a significant drop off. They do not understand just yet what Joe did for that program and without him they're going to take a major hit this year. So I don't think LSU is a factor. Tennessee's not there yet. Florida might be the other school, but I'm going to have to still say Alabama. And I think highest state is clearly, you know, the team that we would predict, you know, for the Big 10. And then for the the Big 12, I have to say it's going to be the winner of the second game for uh, Oklahoma and Texas. So whoever comes out of that game of victory uh, with a victory would probably be my fourth team. Now, as far as seeding, and if you're trying to get them seeded, it's probably gonna be between Ohio State and Clemson as the number one seed, and followed by Alabama, and then the Texas-Oklahoma survivor. I don't see anything in the Pac-12 that lets me think that they've got a team that's going to crack that four. And then as far as the non-Power 5 schools, uh, I, you know, I love Cincinnati to death, um, uh, but I don't know, this is the one year where they really needed a non-conference success story. They needed to play, you know, some bigger-than-life team in their non-conference schedule and, and take them down. And to be considered. They're kind of like the Houston of 2014, 2015, whichever that was, that season that was. But it's really, um, you know, going to be the Power 5 again, and so I've got Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma, Texas survivor.
0: Okay. I mean, those are pretty, pretty solid picks. And yeah, because we haven't seen everyone play, we're just seeing the ACC play and the Big 12 play. You know, this does feel a little bit like a preseason pick, but I mean, I th- I think that's why I asked it because I this is kind of our preseason pick. Now that we actually get to pick a Big Ten team, um, presumably in that mix, and and I would agree. I think Clemson, Ohio State, those are the top two teams in the country right now. Um, even though Ohio State hasn't played yet, just the talent they have back, uh, what Coach Day has done, um, and again, look now seeing their schedule. I mean, it's pretty much if they if they win week two, then they're they're pretty much you can just lock them into Indy at this point. Um, I don't see anything out of the rest of the East, um, even though a lot of praise is coming for Joe Milton, the quarterback, uh, and, and waiting essentially there for it at Michigan. But I think Ohio State is clearly going to win the Big Ten and take that spot. Uh, Clemson is going to take the SC, or sorry, Clemson is going to win the ACC. I know a lot of people are hyped about Notre Dame, but I've not seen anything out of them that really makes me think that they're a legitimate contender. And we saw what happened the last two times they were in championship playoff or championship game contention where they've just just been blown out of the field. Like They, they did not deserve to be on that same footing. Um, I think the SEC is definitely going to be interesting. Alabama is going to be the easy kind of team to pick for. I would I would actually kind of – I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I, I think just the way their schedule maps out and just some of the talent they do have I think this might be the year that Florida um, is able to, to win the SEC East, especially with what's going on at Georgia. And I think they might take down Alabama. I don't, I don't see anything out of Alabama's quarterback that makes me think he is, he's going to take them to the next level. And I think that's what you had with Tua and to a degree with Jalen Hurts. Um, that Al- Saban needs a, a dynamic quarterback to be an X-factor for his team to win. Um, even though he's won with game managers essentially before, but I, th- I think they need it now more than ever um, just based on everyone's elevated to the Alabama level now that's competing for a national championship. So I'm actually going to go Florida for the SEC uh, and I'm actually going to go Oklahoma for the Big 12. I don't think, uh, I don't really think Texas is, is as good as people are hyping them up to be. Uh, I know Sam Ellinger is a, a senior now this year, but to me, I mean, he's he's just a Baker Mayfield light, to be quite honest with you. Like he's he's all emotion and all hype, but he really hasn't translated as well in the field that I think is expected of him. Um, so I I think Ohio State, Clemson, Florida, and Oklahoma will be the four teams. I agree with you on the Pac-12. There's no one out there that's scaring me. Um, maybe outside of potentially Oregon, but. Again, they have not had any players yet decide to opt in, and no one else from the conference seems as as strong. So, yeah, I think I think those are the four I would lean towards right now, um, and I don't think a group of five teams going to get in it this year if it's just four teams.
1: Yeah, I think I can agree with everything you're saying there. I think that that's definitely a solid logic behind your pick on that. And another sleeper, but we both kind of mentioned Florida. Another sleeper in the SEC might be A&M just because we'll see what Jimbo Fisher can do this season you know he probably had a better team last year than he did two years ago but he had a lesser record just because of the schedule he had to play but may- maybe this year is the third year is the one that he's going to be able to bring some of that together again and I haven't studied it enough to see how they match up with, with the stronger teams with home versus away but of course there's nobody in the fans in the stands you know that, that the home field advantage thing may not be as much of a factor this year anyway. Right. But you know, don't don't uh, sell them out. Don't sell them short just yet. And you never know what Auburn's going to do. So so there's always uh, those teams. I don't see any other teams though in the Big Twelve. I, Oklahoma State was originally, you know, one of the teams to consider. But you know, boy, they're they've looked bad. I mean, just bad, bad. So I don't think they're 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 not going to be a factor.
0: Yeah. And uh, we've meant, you know, we mentioned the Big Ten schools. So. Yep. No, I agree. Well, I, I thank you for coming on. I'm excited again for Big Ten football coming back. Like I said, less than 30 days away. Quick shout out for Eddie George. Today is his birthday. So happy birthday Eddie. And I next week, uh, I want to talk about positions. And I, I think we can really kind of start talking Heisman too a little bit too. So got a few ideas of what we can discuss next week excited to talk about that but but i just want to thank you all for listening in and and following our page and following us on twitter and facebook share with your friends and as always go bucks go bucks